morning. You guys can have a seat. Grab your Bibles. We're going to be in a couple different verses. I promise I'll move this when we get done. Gus is hiding. <laughs> so we're going to have, matter of fact, um, I'm going to have my wife. Uh, if you didn't, there's some pieces of paper right there. If you didn't grab them on the tables coming in, we haven't been handing things out because of COVID. So we had shut down bulletins. We'd shut down everything. Um, uh, and so we have some notes uh, if you want to fill it in. I always encourage you. And here's one of the things uh, I always encouraged our, our teenagers when I was a youth pastor for years is that I believe wholeheartedly that you should come with your Bible with a notebook. And here's the reason why. There's things that I may say that will spark something in your mind that the Lord has laid on your heart that sometimes when we don't write it down, we may not remember it. Um, and so I want to encourage you just as you uh, jump into God's word that you should always have in some way, shape, or form some notebook or something to take notes on. But because I know that, no, well, maybe some of you did, I know that some of you probably did not come prepared for that. Um, we wanted to give you a piece of paper as well. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. And as Chris said, we're starting a new series called The Relationship. All right. And I want you to think about this when we talk about relationships. It's this idea of being made for this. Over the last year, we have seen more isolation, uh, more separation, more segregation. We've seen more relationship problems. As a matter of fact, do you want to know what the number one health crisis in the United States is? It's loneliness. We have more people now in counseling, professional counseling for depression and anxiety and worry and stress and fear and depression than we've ever had before in the history. So that along with the pandemic, we've had social and emotional problems. As a matter of fact, uh, for those who have been here, back in January, we did a small or a very simple sermon series dealing with emotional health. Uh, one of the struggles we've seen over the last year is the emotional baggage or the emotional unhealthiness of a lot of people, not just in church, but outside the church. And now we're going to jump into relational health, okay? I believe they all stem or, 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 or come from one main struggle, one main difficulty. So if I'm emotionally unhealthy, there is a disconnect between my creator, between me and God. If I am relationally unhealthy, I believe also that there is a disconnect between me and God. And so we're gonna do this over the next about five to six weeks. We're gonna be going through this idea of what it means to be relationally, and that is a terrible triangle. Don't ask me to be an artist, right? Okay. But I, wanna, I want you to think about this idea of a relationship triangle. Okay? Now, we've seen this in the past, or maybe you've heard this in the past, but this relationship triangle involves, in reality, three people. There's God at the top, there is me over here, and then there are others over here. Okay? Now, this fits into every relationship we have, all right? Whether it's with a coworker or my spouse or my kids, that when my relationship between me and God is good, guess what happens here? We grow closer together. But when my relationship with God is not good, we're gonna grow further and further apart. So Matthew chapter 22, follow along with me, starting in verse 37, and we're gonna read to verse 40. And this is just really a springboard that we're gonna jump into and look at what scripture says about a relationship with God. So listen to what he says, starting in verse 34. We'll jump there. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. 
Now, this is one of those things in scripture where two groups don't like each other. One gets slammed down by Jesus and the other one gets emboldened like, ha ha, watch this. We're gonna be right there with him. We're gonna show him what goes on. So the Pharisees got together and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And here's what Jesus says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he says this, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So as we jump in, I want you to understand this, that over the last year, over the last Honestly, over, over all of history, what we're seeing is more and more friends and families becoming divided. As a matter of fact, all you got to do is check in on social media and you realize that we're divided greatly in multiple ways. We can see families who are divided on political stances as well as health situations and, 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 and belief on certain things. But I want you to understand this. When we talk about this idea of being made for this, that we were created to live in relationship with others. And how our relationship goes with others is usually a result of how our relationship is going with God. One of the biggest struggles that most people come to is there's a conflict here, right? And when this conflict between these two come together, here's what oftentimes happens, especially in the church, but I believe in life in general. If there's conflict here, then we go, well, if that person's going to treat me this way, I don't want to have anything to do with God. Isn't that how it goes? Like, I just got treated by somebody who treats me like trash, and so I'm giving up on God. When that's the complete opposite of what should really take place. When something happens between a relationship here, it should draw me closer to the Lord, not further away. But when bad things happen between two people down here, oftentimes the easy way to go about doing it is like, fine, I'm done with God. If that's the way this person is going to treat me, fine, it's over. And likewise, let me say it this way. There are people who will fall into this. We're going to break this triangle down into multiple things. We could say there are believers and non-believers. There are people who love Jesus, follow Jesus. There are people who don't know Jesus and don't follow Jesus. And a lot of times, listen to this, how this group acts, the believers act, affects how these people what? And if I respond to uh, in my relationship with God and I see the way God sees people who don't believe in him, then the reality should be that I treat others with great grace and with great effort and with great hope and with great truth. Why? Because they don't know who Jesus is. But I do. And as I draw closer, then I see them as God sees them. That I see that they are in desperate need of a savior. Listen, listen when we talk about this idea of being created to be in relationship. You know, there is, uh, a matter of fact, they say this, the smallest indivisible unit in the kingdom of God is two, not one. Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. Jesus says in Genesis chapter one, verse 27, so God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then Genesis chapter two, it says this, the Lord God said it's not good for man to be alone. Now we oftentimes know that and we realize that based upon this idea of marriage. 
But I want you to think about this. It is not good for you to walk through life alone. Matter of fact, what was great about what the, the, the children's sermon here is just that idea that you and I need other people. We need to have strong, growing relationships. And the truth of the matter is that since we were made for this, since we're made for relationships, then we have to understand how do we build stronger, better, healthier, more long-lasting relationships. If we're made in his image, then the same things that are true of the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are true for us, that we need relationships that we work together in harmony. So here's what I want you to remember. If you remember anything else, I mean, the main point of the sermon today is this, right? That God desires a relationship with you. Listen, so our relationship with others reflects his grace towards us and our love of him, all right? So God desires a relationship with you. And through that, through that relationship, that our relationship with others would reflect his grace toward us and our love of him. Do you get what I'm trying to say here? That in every relationship I have, that at every point I have, that, that in the relationship I have with God, the reason he has that relationship with me is so that my relationship with him and others reflects the grace he gives me. So that when somebody violates me, when somebody sins against me, that I give them the grace that God gave me because Jesus, literally, Romans says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so it's important for us to understand exactly what takes place. God desires a relationship with you. And listen to me, there's a lot of people who would say, God really doesn't care for you. If he did, bad things wouldn't happen to you. No, that's false. That's a lie. Bad things happen to Everybody. God does love you. God does care for you. God loved you so much that he sent his son. And so today, as we unpack this, I want to introduce this simple thought of this triangle for you to begin to understand how God works. Number one, I want you to know this, that God knows us and God loves us. See, our upward relationship with God must be the first priority. Now, here's the crazy thing about the triangle. We want God to be at the apex, right? The top. But the truth of the matter is God is also the foundation upon which every relationship is built. And so when God is the foundation upon which every relationship is built, then my, my, my structure that I'm going to build upon can be firm. Why? Because it's built on a firm foundation. And when I have a firm foundation that's set up to build upon, then I can build strong I can build tall. I can build very good houses that are going to withstand the forces of everything that goes on. Matter of fact, anybody ever had foundation repair done on your house? How many of you would say, nah, it's not that big a deal? It's a foundation. Well, if the wall collapses, it's no big deal. Nobody would do that in your house. But yet, how often do we walk into relationships and we're like, nah, you know what? Who cares? It's the foundation. It's not that big a deal. The problem with that is this. When your foundation is cracked and falling apart, everything else is going to fall. So listen to me. If this relationship is not first and foremost, if it's not priority, then every other relationship you have is going to be a problem. 
if this relationship doesn't come first, because there's something that takes place in this relationship where God humbles us, where God breaks us, where God lets us see as he sees, where God speaks to our heart and we begin to align our will with his will, where we begin to align our feelings and our emotions with his feelings and his emotions, because it's important for us to understand that in the midst of what goes on in this relationship here, that when I let my feelings get out of control and move towards self-centeredness, When I let my feelings and my emotions get out of control and I move to where I say, you know what? You offended me, so I'm done. Then we've completely walked away from this idea of God first in the relationship. The Bible is very clear. Out of humility, consider others better than yourself. And if I jump back to Matthew chapter 22, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, right? And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So listen, God knows us and he loves us. As a matter of fact, so much so that I want you to understand this. Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, before I formed you in the womb, this is what he says, I knew you. Before a hair was grown on your head, before you were even a a blip in your mother's eye, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. God knows you. God knows every one of us. God knows us before we were formed, before we were fashioned, and he's calling out to each one of us. God makes himself known in all of creation, and he shows himself, uh, he shows himself to us in the lives of others. He shows us uh, himself, and he reveals himself throughout creation, and he loves us so much, listen, that he sent his son. And so here's what I want to unpack, and here's what I understand. In order for us to grow in a relationship with God, we have to have this relationship here first, okay? Let me, let me do this just a little bit better. We have to go through Jesus to get to the Father, Christ is the cornerstone, according to Scripture. The cornerstone of the foundation upon which we can build a strong relationship with others. If you struggle in your marriage, if there's a lot of conflict and and struggle with your marriage, there's most likely problems here. If you have struggles with coworkers and, and, and children or even parents and things like that, there usually can go back to where there's a struggle here. And here's the reason why. Because when this relationship is primary, when this is focused, then I can begin to set aside my desires and I can begin to set aside my needs and I can begin to set aside my emotions and I can begin to go, God, how do I respond to this person who is treating me with such hatred? How do I respond to a person who gives me no grace? And listen, please hear me out when I say this. I know that there are people who have no grace, no love, no mercy, and they're not going to give you any of it. It's called the cancel culture, right? It's running rampant in our society. Everybody wants grace, but nobody wants to give it. This is what's what's taking place like crazy online, in the news, in media, whatever you want to call it. It's called cancel culture. And cancel culture is all about canceling you. That's not God's point. God's point was never to cancel people. God's point was to have a closer, stronger relationship. And listen to me, if you're into this idea of cancel culture, you don't understand what God spoke about in the first place. The idea is not to cancel people. Could you imagine that? Can you imagine God, fine, done, gone, canceled? 
You guys remember, what, what was that? Um, uh, what was that word show growing up? I can't remember. The Pyramid. You know what I'm talking about? Is it the Pyramid? No, Family Feud. It's Family Feud. When they try and guess, and the, the red X would come up. Right? Like cancel culture. I got like this. What if God did that every time you had a, a problem, a relationship faux pas, a mess up? The truth of the matter is that God knows me, God loves me, God pursued me, and here's how he pursued me, through the cross. And he continues to pursue me, and he continues to love me. That while I still sin, Jesus still paid the price for my sins, and God's standing there openly with open arms saying, I'm ready to forgive, I'm willing to forgive you. All you do is confess. The reason why most of these relationships with other people struggle, including marriages, families, co-workers, and things like that, is because this is messed up. Now, listen to me. You may be a believer. You've put your faith and trust in Jesus, but listen, you're still way down here. You're still down here in a smaller area. See, when we talk about this, that God knows us and loves us, but I want you to understand, number two, that God wants us to know him. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 24, verse seven. I will give them a heart to know me. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they will be my people and I will be their God for they will return to me with all their heart. What is the first and greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. They will return to me with all their heart. God wants us to know him. As a matter of fact, we're able to know God through Jesus the Son. The Bible's very clear, John 14, 7. If you had known me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. How do I see the Father? I see the Father through the Son. How do I know God the Father? I know the Father through the Son. John chapter 14, or John chapter 8, verse 19. You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. He's talking to the Pharisees, because if you knew me, you would know my Father also. So here's the thing How do I know God? I go to God through the Son, Jesus Christ. And how do I get closer to in a relationship with Him? I have to know Jesus, and then I have to grow in the Word. I have to grow in understanding and loving and knowing what it means to follow Him day in and day out. And here's what's crazy about it. Jesus came to establish his kingdom, but he does it through people. And as we grow in our relationship with him, we draw closer to God. Here's what's awesome. Because some people are gonna wanna go their own way. They're gonna be like, no, I'm gonna go out here. Well, that just moves them further from God. And it moves them further from who? You. But at the same time, listen, as I'm going closer to God, I'm still giving this opportunity at any point they begin to make a, a pursuit back. Why? Because God loves them. God is pursuing them. God is after them. God is chasing after their heart. And you and I have to begin to understand the reality of what is taking place there. See, most of us get selfish. I want a strong relationship in my marriage, so we're going to do all these things. We're going to go out on dates. Don't knock it. They're great. We're going to do all of these things, and we begin to work closer to each other this way, right? We're trying to do something, but then something bad happens. So we drop into negatives. It's like making a withdrawal in the bank. And if you overdraw what you got in the bank, what happens? You're in the red. And a lot of us operate in the red. 
our relationships are operating in the red instead of operating in the black because we're not growing closer to God. We're trying to do everything in our own power. And so listen to me when I say this. I hope you understand that when he says, you don't know me unless you know the Father, that's important for us. God wants us to know him. So God loves us, God pursues us, God knows us, God wants us to know him. And then number three, our first priority in all relationships, all relationships should be knowing God. Listen to what James chapter four says, verse eight. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Or come near to God and he will come near to you. Why? Because Jesus or God has always been pursuing us through Jesus, his son. God is going after us. He's chasing us. He's chasing his people. Through the Old Testament, God constantly went after his people. He was trying to expose them to the truth. He was trying to reveal to them the plans he had. But oftentimes, here's what happens. We're not going to pursue God. We're going to go our own way. And when we go our own way, we move further away from God. God says, I want you to do things my way. Okay, we'll do it your way. No, we're not gonna do it your way. We're gonna do it our way. And what happens? All throughout the Old Testament, we can kind of make fun of it at times, but in reality, that's the daily fight of human. God tells us to do something, okay, and then we don't do it. I mean, we're we're getting further along in parenting now, but man, when my kids were young, I didn't have to teach them to disobey. I had to teach him to obey. Disobedience is easy. We have a natural knack to run into disobedience. It's like, mom said it? Nope, not gonna do it. Dad told me to do something? Not gonna happen. Unless you're coming to a pastor who, <laughs> I, I like to run in the, the field of rebels at times. I'd hear people say, don't take that class. Oh, watch this, I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna show you. And that didn't go so well sometimes, <laughs> right? You know, I'm the guy who wants to be like, if somebody says you can't do it, I'm like, oh yeah, watch this. <laughs> you know, the famous last words, watch this <laughs> before you fail. Listen, God wants to know us. God knows us and loves us. God wants us to know him. But listen, our first priority in all of these relationships is knowing God. See, in our world today, relationships are breaking down. We are full of fractured families. We are full of broken and hurting marriages. Our friends are hurting. We have more depression and anxiety and worry and struggle. We have an increasingly independent individuals within society. And let me be honestly clear. The church took a step backwards to a certain extent with not meeting and people began to worry. But I want you to understand this, that there is no independence in the Christian life. What I mean by that is there are no Lone Ranger Christians. You need other people. And while I love what technology has given us to produce online sermons and inviting people who are wanting to stay home, the ability to stay home, but I'll also tell you this, that's isolation. And all throughout scripture, anytime Satan wanted to work, all he has to do is isolate. Because that's what happens. Remember what I said? The relationship is always here God and me first, but when conflict arises, people are like, fine, I'm done with God, I'm done with the church, I'm gonna go and do my own thing. Guess what you just set yourself up for? Not success. You set yourself up for failure. 
Because what you do is you isolate yourself from the Lord. You isolate yourself from other people who are there to help you, to encourage you. At times, there's going to be accountability. There's going to be discouragement. Somebody's going to say something that's going to hurt your feelings. Last I checked, every family I've been involved in or connected with, that happens. Right? Like, I mean, sometimes your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your son or daughter is going to say something to you that hurts. It doesn't take away the sting. But to isolate myself and say I don't need it, I set myself up for the attack of Satan. And I believe that's wholeheartedly what is going on in relationships around the world. That we isolate ourselves and we think we can just do it when the reality is we can't. And I want to say this, just to unpack some of this and let us think about it. One of the problems we oftentimes have, we talk about emotional, but I want you to think about this in relational ideas as well. One of the problems we have in emotional and relational health is immaturity. Let's just put it out there. We're adults, but we act like children. We don't get our way, so we throw a temper tantrum. We end up having conflict, and so as a result of conflict, we just let people have it rather than, remember, walking through the lens with which God reveals himself to me and walking with grace, walking and giving forgiveness and having an openness to allow the Lord to use me to call them. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says this, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Listen to me, that's scripture teaching us. That's God revealing himself. And as we grow in that relationship with God and I begin to see that, I can begin to go, God, is there anywhere in my life that I'm acting like a child right now? Have I not gotten my way and so I threw a fit? Every relationship has two and should have three parts in it, right? Right? It's like when I meet with individuals and I always just hear, well, he or she or they, that's all they ever do. And when you hear both sides of the story, it takes two to tango, doesn't it? Now, I'm not saying that there are times where one person is all wrong and there are times where the other person is all right. I'm not saying that, but please hear me out. There are ways in which we deal with conflict and struggle where we can do it with grace and forgiveness that is going to bring about the benefit of the relationship rather than the demise of the relationship. And the way I do that is through my relationship with God first and foremost. My foundation has to be strong so that, listen, when the winds and the torrents and the storms of life come blowing against it, my relationship with my wife or my relationship with my kids or my relationship with coworkers can stand strong. Why? Because I'm not worried about the winds and the storms. Why? Because my foundation is firm and that the, the building I have built, the relationship I have built has been built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ first and foremost. And when I do that, I know that the storms are going to come, but I know that my building will not fail. And here's the reason it will not fail, because God is going to uphold that relationship with that individual when I walk the way I'm supposed to walk in a relationship with him. Now, there are going to be times where you're going to have people who are going to push you out. You can't control, here's the crazy thing, you can't control this, can you? 
I mean, every person who came in here today, I can't control you. I can't force you to have a relationship with God. Matter of fact, I would say out of a weakness at times, I could try and manipulate you, but that's not allowing God to work. Allowing God to work is allowing God to do what he needs to do in your life. And so I can't control this individual. This person could run off and they could go as far as they want to go. And all I can do is continue to pursue God and continue to reach out, to continue to love, to continue to offer grace, to continue to offer forgiveness, to continue to be a person who responds with humility. Listen, Matthew chapter 22 again, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He says that's the first and greatest commandment. But then he says what? The second is like it. Love your neighbor as your self. Let me jump back to cancel culture again. Everybody wants grace. Nobody wants to give it. Is that loving your neighbor as yourself? No. When I love my neighbor as myself, I begin to treat others how I want to be treated. I begin to treat others as Jesus would treat them. Now listen to me. All of us I understand. We're going back to emotional health. We're dealing with relational health here and stuff like this. I know there are stressful times. There are seasons. There are points where you snap. Anybody ever not done that? I do it. You just lose it. Something just blows up and you begin. It's like the balloon. At some point, it just pops. But you have to own up to the flaws and the faults that you did, the sins that you maybe violated somebody else with because of that. And you go to them and you confess those sins and you ask for forgiveness. Listen, when we talk about heart, loving the Lord with all your heart, we're talking about the emotions, the will, the conscience. And the Bible is very clear. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you love the Lord with all your heart? When our hearts are loving all kinds of other things, we miss out on the true joy in our relationships. When we allow our heart to chase everything else other than the Lord, we miss out on the joy of relationships. Our soul, when we love him with our heart, then our soul follows. This idea of the internal workings, that our thoughts become, or that his thoughts become our thoughts, that his ways become our ways, that his feelings become our feelings, that the way he sees is the way we see, that's what t- plays out when we do the soul. And then the mind. Listen, 90% of our emotions are based upon the heart and the mind. And oftentimes the mind, the mind can do some crazy things. The mind can play some tricks on you. But listen, the Bible's very clear. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. When we set our minds on worldly things, then we're going to feel lifeless. We're going to feel uneasy. We're going to feel confused. Colossians chapter 3 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And then listen to this. As a result of our heart, our soul, and our mind, when we talk about loving God with all of our strength, that means with everything we got, physically. When I work, when I play. Whatever I do, that I would love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, with every ounce of my being. That's what he calls us to do. That's how he calls us to respond. 
and you can't pursue God, listen, if you're not willing to name Jesus as Lord and Savior in your life, first and foremost, you have to go through Jesus to have a relationship with God. Jesus said that himself. So in order to have a strong relationship with the Lord, in order to have a strong relationship with God the Father, you have to go through the Son. And if I go through the Son, the only way to do it is what they just said today, that if I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord, and I believe that he rose from the dead, that you will be saved. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose again, and I am saved. That's the lens. That's the avenue that we have to go through to pursue a relationship with God. That's the foundation, the cornerstone. Everything else is, is not going to hold up. This week, my kids were home, and they found the old uh, Disney Three Little Pigs. Anybody ever remember watching that, the old Disney version of the Three Little Pigs, right? The first pig builds his house out of straw, and the wolf huffs and puffs and blows the house down, right? The second little pig builds it out of sticks. The wolf huffs and puffs and blows the house down. The third little pig built it out of bricks, and the wolf shows up and doesn't have a chance. In reality, that's exactly how our relationships play out. The wolf is after the sheep. And the sheep, when we choose to build our foundation, the relationships upon or with straw, it's going to fail. And when we build it with sticks, it's going to fail. But when we build it with the foundation that Jesus is Lord, that the God, that my relationship with God is first and foremost, then everything else is added to it. So listen to me as we, we jump into this. We're, we're going to be talking about our relationship with God. Next week, we're going to be talking about our relationship with others within the church, with other believers, how we respond and things and, and do things like that. Then we're going to be talking about our relationship with lost people, people who don't know Jesus, right? I'll be honest with you, over, my, over the last year, the bitterness and vitriol that I have seen from Christians online is embarrassing. I'm just going to put it out there. It is shameful. And to a certain extent, it makes me call to question their salvation. I'm not talking about speaking the truth. I'm talking about hate-filled words of bitterness, rage, and anger. So we're going to talk about that. Then, listen, we're going to jump into our relationship with family, with other family members, our kids, our parents, and then we're going we're gonna to wrap up the sermon series. We might do two weeks on marriage. So please hear me out. This isn't all on marriage. This is about healthy relationships, period. We are in a world and a time where we need more and more healthy relationships. And here's the truth of the matter. It can start today. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, it starts today by doing that first and foremost. If you're already a believer, I want you to ask these three questions. You can write them down. Do I feel pleasure, peace, and joy in Christ right now? Am I noticing God's strength and power more and more in my life? And number three, am I obedient to God's prompting? Am I obedient to God's prompting? So number one, do I feel pleasure, peace, and joy in Christ? Number two, am I noticing God's strength and power more and more in my life? And number three, am I obedient to God's prompting? God is pursuing us today. We just talked about that. And he will not rest until the entirety of your heart is given to him. 
That's how he pursues us. Father, we pray today that you would be honored and glorified. God, I know that there are probably some relationships out there that are struggling, they're broken, that are hurting. There's vengeance, there's struggle, there's difficulty, there's, there's pain, there's agony. And God, we know that the only one who can redeem that and make it right is you. And so, Lord, maybe there's some brokenness. Maybe there's some hurt. Maybe there's some things we need to ask for forgiveness from others. Maybe we need to go and, and confess some sin that we have, uh, have, have, have performed or done to other people. But, God, we pray for the relationships, that our relationships would be strong and they would be built on the firm foundation of Jesus as the cornerstone and our Father as the foundation. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.